Welcome back. I'm Rodney. I'm Jamal. Yo, what's up again, y'all? This is Vance. Jerry V. Pleasure to be here. And we are Under Construction. Uh, so we have special guest Jerry V here. He's a Charlotte Sports Talk pioneer. Been in the Hornets organization forever. He's with ESPN 730 now. Was an assistant coach. New York City native. Everybody welcome Jerry V. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem, sir. How was your your, your, your weekend? Weekend was great. Okay. Weekend was Hall of Fame. We heard you had a hot date. Weekend might be a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking they want to do a book first. (laughs) Then they do the movie. Trouble is they're having trouble casting it. (laughs) Who's going to play V? Who will play you? Who will play V? Who can play you, man? I don't know. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. John Leguizamo. You know, cool. like, Ooh, that, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Talented good. man. Did you see his one man shows? I did. Oh, awesome. He's tremendous talent. Tremendous. All right, we're going to dive straight into this interview. Uh, Jerry, so give me your background. I know you're from in, in, NYC, Queens to be exact. Right. Queens the borough. Uh, Hollis, Queens to start. Hollis, Queens. Yeah. And Stephen A. Smith grew up in Hollis, Queens. Okay, okay. So every time I hear him spewing stuff, you know, I grew up in New York. I go, shut up, I'm from Hollis, too. (laughs) (laughs) We come from a nice neighborhood. Then we went to Richmond Hill. I was there. (laughs) That's funny. So coming out of New York City, we want to know, how did you get to Garner Webb? And how did you get affiliated with the Hornets organization. Can you just start us out and just give us background about your parents? Um, man. Grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. Basketball junkie. Used to play all the time. Schoolyards, you know, the whole thing. And then, you know, when you're playing and all, and all of a sudden you got a chance to go to college, you start visiting places mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're part of the recruiting thing and you visit and you're, you know, you're visiting schools. And on the way home one time, there were some friends of mine that were Gardner Webb and they told me all about it. And uh, I visited on the way home from coming out of the West Coast of Florida. And I stopped in and I fell in love with a small Southern town because I'd never been out of New York. Oh. So when I went home and I told my pops what I was thinking of doing, first thing he said is, what the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> so when I so he wasn't feeling you being in Boiling Springs, North Carolina? No, because he so- said, Boiling Springs. <laughs> he said, they got a movie theater. Um, because he wanted me to go to school in New England, where he was oh, from. Yeah. I thought you want to be a BU Eagle, you know. At, at, but anyway, so I went down and fell in love with the small southern mm-hmm. town. And I, at first when I got down there, it was like, what the heck am I thinking? <laughs> and I'm glad that I did because that's where I started my networking in the state of North Carolina. Wow. And that's how it parlayed me into meeting people and working basketball camps and being in ACC country and starting to form a lot of friendships. And then I was able to parlay that into my first high school job and then the people that I met, it helped me get my first college job. So it all started in North Carolina. So it, it turned out to be a move of, oh man, to, I'm glad you did that. Can you explain, was a benefit. Can you, can you explain the culture shock? Cause you, you kind of went into detail. Yeah. What, what kind of culture shock was it from? 
I mean, like, subways. I mean, these guys like they're tucking in their sweaters, <laughs> and they're they're wearing these real short khaki pants. I call them rain pants. Rain pants. You know, and I'm thinking, and everything was monogrammed. Mm. Everything, and there was some, you know, there was some discrimination at first. Mm. You know, I could see it happening. Um, and for for the fact that I, I could see some racial discrimination, and mm-hmm. I could see discrimination because I was from New York. I right. was a damn Yankee, mm-hmm. etc. And then you got to know people, and things started to evolve. And um, I would hang out with guys like George Adams and Artist Gilmore wow. and those guys, oh, wow. and they would take me to their parties. And I got to meet some people, and I was told, "Man, why are you going to parties with them?" Mm. You know. And then I, that's when I got the first hint. And then the time we were on a road trip down in Georgia, where this this place we stopped for lunch wouldn't serve the black players. Wow. So like I'm sitting in there and I'm looking, and I had never been exposed to that. Um, and so myself, a couple of the other guys that were from Jersey and New York, we got up and walked out with the mm-hmm. players. Some of the other guys stayed, and their reason was they were hungry. <laughs> and that's when I started to see Wow. Some of the stuff going on, but um, and then basketball just became the vehicle. But yeah, it was a good experience. Then I went to this party. They invited me to this dance on a recruiting trip, right? And it was like an anti-bellum dance, man, wearing the hoop skirts and the whole thing. I thought I was back in. I thought I was back on, you know, um, you know, like I was Clark Gable in, there, you, know, you know, Gone with the Wind or something. And I'm like, whoa! And uh, this this. One of the students that mm-hmm. the basketball department got to escort you to show you around to yep. the dance, which was nice, you know. The first question she asked me was, you know, what was it like growing up in New York City? She said to me, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, are you in a gang? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I played along, I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? I can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, did she ever find out that she wasn't in the game? I never or? told her. <laughs> they used to think, she they used to think I was like in the mafia. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it was like really odd how they would stereotype you. Now, on, you the, on, the, on the inverse of that, did you ever have any of those racial uh, conversations with your family? And if so, how did, how did they go? As far as? <clears throat> the culture shock. Moving down here to Charlotte and saying, Yeah, because hey. I grew up, my mother was Spanish. Okay. So I grew up in the neighborhood ever since kindergarten. I was going to school. It was multiracial, multiracial from the very beginning because uh-huh. Queens is one of the biggest melting pots in the world. Yeah. So, you know... I had black friends, Spanish friends, Jewish friends, Greek friends, and we'd spend the night at each other's places. And I had some that I liked because you'd always get invited for dinner and I'm a food fanatic. <laughs> so we saw that you played ball with them from the beginning to the end. So it wasn't, it was, I was very fortunate I grew up in that environment because it was educational. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. So you never looked, you looked at things through a different lens. Yeah, we would talk about it when I would come home and say something so. and my father would just go, Hey, he who adapts wins. Mm. Because you're gonna have to adapt. It's a crazy world, and it was crazy then. Yeah. All right. So I have a. Very, but there's a lot of positive moments. Too. Okay. I have a very important food question to ask. Yeah. Because you bought a food, so mm-hmm. I have to ask you this question. How come this show's not catered? I mean, we gave you Christmas. We got cream. you donuts I mean, now. We, we I mean, donuts. You don't get no better than the Christmas tree. You're throwing a little sauce. On <laughs> <laughs> so the question is. Yeah. Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, Dunkin'. 
Oh, oh Jerry, 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 oh. Jerry, Jerry. And I knew you were going to answer You see that. what I'm saying? Say, don't ask a question if you're afraid of the answer. Hey, hey we we'll appreciate you guys for watching. No disrespect. Yeah, of course. No of course. disrespect. Crispy's good. They could start for me as a freshman. Right. You know, I'd have them in my starting five. Okay, okay. But okay. you know, diversity... Now Duncan, yeah. let's 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 fast forward to uh 1990. Yeah. Um, according to one of your bios that I read, that is when you uh, first got ingratiated with the uh, Hornets. As before a, that, I was with Fox Television. Yeah. Here, so like how how did all of that play out? How how did you find yourself into that life? Les Robinson used to coach at NC State. He was up at East Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was a high school coach, I would go up to the five star basketball camp at the time. It was the greatest camp in the world. And I would just observe. And I would bring some of my players up there to play. And then Howie Garfinkel, who since passed away, the camp director, uh, after a year, offered me three sessions to work, to be a teacher there. Um, and it might have been a mistake that I made because at the time, college coaches, the rule was changed. You could not work the camp. But I was a high school coach. Okay. But Mike Fatello who had coached the Hawks, coached at Villanova and was an analyst, set me up to meet Lou Campanelli that was coaching at James Madison University at the time. And he set up an interview for me. So I went up and I got the job. So I might have jumped too quick. I always think back, maybe I should have stayed as a high school coach a little longer, worked the five-star camp because I was there. There was Rick Patino, John Calipari, Hubie Brown, Jack Ramsey, Hall of Legendary. Famer. Legends. I mean, Legendary. all of these, Pete Gillen, yeah. who was at Virginia. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the staff was mind-blowing, mm -hmm. mind-blowing. And I got hired to work there. So I was thinking maybe I should have stayed and worked mm -hmm. that camp longer. But anyway, um, I uh, Les Robinson... And I were eating one day, and he said, you know, you should like get into media. Uh, you'd have fun with this thing. And back then, you know those mobile phones used to be so big? Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, picked yeah. up the phone, and he made a call right from the dinner table, and he said, I'm gonna see if we can get you an audition to be a college basketball analyst, because I wow. told him I would like to do that. So he made a call, and I, I got a couple of games. Gentlemen, uh, Mike Wells and others, and. I got to do a few games. And the producers I was working with said, you got a lot of potential for this. You wow. speak like a teacher and a coach and you know the game, that's pretty good, boom, boom. So I kept getting some games. Um, long story short, the gentleman by the name of Bray Carey mm -hmm. that ran ESPN Regional, when they used to have the regional offices, um, arranged for me to meet the people from ESPN. Okay when they were looking to really expand the college basketball. Okay. Man, it could have been Jerry V instead of Dickie V. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dick. Dick Dickie V was at Five Star, too. Um, and uh, they looked at my work. Mm -hmm. So they flew down. Bray had a little reception at his house, and I met them. And then a few days later, a few came back, and they said, uh, we'd like you to do some college games for ESPN. And... Uh, a day, two days later, I had also got the Hornet offer to be an analyst because I had just walked up and said, I'd like to audition to be an analyst. And they said, no, nah, we're already booked up. We're going to buy. So they kind of ignored me. 
But then uh, I was at Fox 8 TV hosting Sports Talk television show. They pioneered. And the Hornets bought my contract. Wow. So they offered me a job, and ESPN offered me a job. So ESPN comes in. I never forget this day. I think it was Mike Wells that did it. And he goes, well, let's see if you can do both. Might take a lot of traveling. So they took these overlays. And they remember the old plastic mm-hmm. overlay? And yep. they laid down the college schedule over the NBA schedule. <laughs> and they looked and they says, ooh, my schedule from college games dropped to like three or four games because of the travel conflicts. Wow. So they just said, you got to make a decision within 10 days. Pick one. And you picked the... I picked the NBA because I said I, I I spoke to some people and I said nobody had envisioned how big ESPN was going to be. They mm-hmm. knew. I said, well, I did high school, I did college. I'm a layer guy. I want to experience things in all levels. Gotcha. I said I did high school, I did college. Now I can do pro. And then while doing pro, I parlayed it into also a full-time talk show. Okay. So I was doing both. I would do the show, mm-hmm. go to the Coliseum, do the game. I was on the road, I'd do my show, then do the game. Gotcha. And so I married that together. And it turned out, because I loved living in Charlotte at the time, so I had the perfect life of MB. And then I was doing pre and post game radio for the Panthers oh, on, wow. on their flagship. So I said, perfect life, man. I got it all. This is fun. I'm crazy when I think back on it. Um, and then the team moved. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know. New Orleans. We had a parlayed into New Orleans. I started a new show there. And then Katrina hit. Yeah. And then we had to evacuate and go to Oklahoma City. I started a new show there. <laughs> and then we came back to New Orleans. So I had to restart the show there. And then when the team got sold after a few years, uh, they wanted to replace all the broadcasters. They didn't want anybody affiliated with the George Shin ownership group. But what was funny, the Saints that owned, you know, when they bought the Hornets, they offered me a job within their corporation to be a news anchor at a TV station they owned. So I became a news anchor. (laughs) And I'd never done that. You know, I'm up on the set, and I always wanted to go, Good morning, New Orleans, Jerry Valancourt. And these are your headlines, and you ain't going to believe this. <laughs> I, was, I always wanted to do that. And then I got back into full-time talk radio again, and then I had a chance to come home here versus moving to the West Coast where I could have gone to do it. Denver, correct? Uh, well, at Denver, I had a chance to go to Denver and then the, the Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles okay. market. But I came back to Charlotte where I had spent a lot of time in the state of North Carolina that I loved, hated leaving New Orleans. What a beautiful, wonderful place with great people. Man, it was just wonderful to me. But my daughter said, Pops, it's about time you be closer to us. Gotcha. So by coming back here, I'm able to drive now to see my daughters right. instead okay. of flying. And I've seen them more over the past two years than I've had the previous five. So how did, how did that move to New Orleans affect your like, family dynamic? Uh, was it was it was it stressful in a way or how yeah, you moving is always stressful. You know, you're starting over. Yes, sir. and New Orleans was the last place in my mind I ever thought I'd live. Right. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, but 
I connected with it rather quickly mm-hmm. because the people in New Orleans reminded me of the people of in Brooklyn and New York and okay. Queens. The culture, the mm-hmm. diverse culture, the music, the food, the spirit. It's, a, it's the most unique place I've ever lived in in my life. Wow. So, and I embraced sorry. it. I fell in love with it. So you went from Charlotte to New Orleans to OKC to New Orleans back to Charlotte. Right. Explain what it's like having to start over as far as building your base, as far as your talk show goes. That's a great point. See, we had it going on in Charlotte. Uh-huh. We launched, helped launch FNZ. Uh, and then um, when the team went to WBT, mm-hmm. uh, the general manager there at the time, wonderful guy, uh, Rick Jackson, they brought me over there to do a show. We had it going on. I mean, it was, it was, we had a great time. And then when the move, it's like, oh. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So I was yeah. going to say, I'm not going to New Orleans. I'm going to Denver. Uh, the, the, it was a big all, a sports talk station there, K-Fan. K-Fan, yeah. And so I flew out there and spent some time. And one of the hosts, afternoon drive one day, got sick. So I filled in for him. I stayed over an extra few days to did it. And you know what's funny? The first call I got, and this was before social media, the first call I got on the show, first call, I said, you know, Jerry V, I'm filling in, boo-boo, was from a guy that moved to, De- for, to Denver from Charlotte. <laughs> Jerry V. I used to listen to you in Charlotte. Now I got you in Denver. <laughs> and it was like an omen. And the program director was Tim Spence, wonderful man. And uh, so, you know, we're talking. So I got offered a job. On the way home to come back to Charlotte, mm-hmm. I said, let me stop in New Orleans just to see what it's like. Okay. Because you know, I had an option to join the team there. But if I joined the team there, I'd have to hustle all over to get a talk radio show, which I love doing. But I also love the NBA. So I go to New Orleans. I spend like a week in a hotel. I'm going up to the office. I'm going around the city. I'm checking it out. And I'm going, hmm. And my heart told me one night, I'm not ready to give up the NBA. I'll hustle and I'll parlay and I'll get another talk show. Okay. Wow. So I would go around and leave samples and talk to program directors and all. And then it happened. Can you... um? Describe the the early days with the Charlotte Hornets. What what was what was that like? What was the environment working for that organization? Um, like? In the arena or in the in the it arena? It was a brand new thing. It was hot. I mean, it was the place to be. There were twenty thousand people a night. They led the NBA in attendance eight nine years in yeah, a row. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was. I don't think I paid for anything in nine years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was popping. It was just popping. And along with that, it gave you some nice notoriety and recognition in the city. Right. Yep. And you got to know a lot of nice people, wonderful people. You know, I was telling a buddy of mine one night, uh, I knew we had arrived and I knew the clout the team had in the presence of the city when I went into this bar restaurant one night and, and the owner came home and said, V, your money is never any good in here. <laughs> mm. Mm. Can't wait till people start. I can't wait till people say that. <laughs> and 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 hopefully a roof, Chris. And I looked at him. and He goes, "I'm a big NBA fan, big NBA fan. I'm so glad you guys are here." And you can just see the city wow. was in. It was the place to be. I mean, I know guys that couldn't get dates for ten years. <laughs> no woman would go out with them. 
But then you'd say, I got some tickets to the game. I love you. <laughs> you know? That easy, huh? So, <laughs> that easy. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you, Just do you, kidding, Layton. I'm not kidding. I'm <laughs> so do you think that we can get that feeling back in Charlotte for the Hornets? I, the, the passion is, is dying. You got to win. Gotcha. There's a lot of competition out there now. Because you figure now, look at the NBA right now. Look at all the talent. I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Look at Los Angeles with yeah. the Clippers and the Lakers and the talent they have. Um, now a fan can stay home, look on the entertainment center, the big screen, and watch great NBA action. That's true. So you got to give the fan a reason to spend money and go to the arena above and beyond. Well, this is unique. Let me take the kids to the game. Let's have a great time. Catch a few games and enjoy it. Because they can stay home and say, who's playing tonight? Clippers and Lakers are on. Am I going to go see them or do I want to go see the home team? So you got to win and you got to put a product on the court gotcha. to compel them to want to be part of it. And this has become more of a transient city. There's a lot of fans here that support a whole lot of different teams, right? right? A whole right. lot of it. And I think the Hornets have lost some ground over the past yeah. few years. Yeah, we'll agree there. And you got to play, you got to maintain momentum. Now, it's not New York City where the Knicks still pack them in in great crowds and they're not winning. Because New York City has massive history, mm-hmm. and it's a basketball city. Right um, here, college basketball is king. Is the king. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, you were packing it because it was so new, mm-hmm. and you and the novelties wear off. Oh, now. and yeah. it, now it's like okay, that's great. It's like, I just got off work. I might go to this game. I might not. Yeah, where the playoffs? <laughs> you know, because I could go home and watch. You know. I'm going to go home and watch Kemba in the Celtics play. Yeah. Because I love Kemba. I'm going to go home and watch this. (laughs) Now, did you notice any uh, significant difference as far as the atmosphere of of the team personnel when they moved from Charlotte to Louisiana in any way? As far as? Just more so the day-to-day operations. I know know that the the team left on not good terms with the fan base. Right, yeah, left on terrible terms. Yeah, very terrible terms. So once they got to New Orleans, did did you see any significant change? Or was it business as usual? No, when we got down there, everybody was saying it's not going to work. It'll be a temporary stop because New Orleans is a college football pro town for the Saints. Uh The Saints following is like like religious. Mm -hmm. It's like a religion. They call themselves a Houdat Nation. Yeah. Some of the most passionate fans I've ever seen in my life in any market. And I've been in every major city in this country multiple times that have NFL and NBA. And that fan base down there blew my mind. Wow. So we said, well, I'm never going to get in. It's not going to happen. Even though you know they had Chris Paul in company. And there were nights you'd sell it out. Other nights you didn't, especially after the NFL season. So everybody thought the team was, wasn't going to last. Then Katrina hit. Mm-hmm. And then they said, for sure, team's not coming back. But God bless the league. They weren't going to deny a city. Because, you know, the backstory is people don't realize the Saints were looking to leave, too, which would have been catastrophic. Yeah. Looking at San Antonio. Neither league, yeah, neither league was going to say, we're not going to punish a city because of a natural disaster right. and take away their team. So right. that was great that that happened. So, so speaking of atmosphere... Uh, let's fast forward to 2011. Yeah, you're you're home in uh, New Orleans. You're eating your gumbo and all of that. Um, the Hornets just well, the Bobcats just got finished uh, winning the least amount of games in the history oh, that was of the NBA. Yeah, and you're watching the NBA draft lottery. 
What was the atmosphere like after seeing Charlotte get robbed of their number one pick and then go to New Orleans? How'd they get robbed? Oh, man. I got robbed. Man. <laughs> we, will hold, we will ride Why this Why don't you just answer the question? The end, How'd you get robbed? The NBA, owned, a, the NBA owned the, the, let, let's, the let's, let's, conspiracy theory. We'll go with, yeah, it's a conspiracy theory. Well, how? The well, we, we had just got finished going 7-59. Right. We, we had the greatest chances of getting the overall number one seed. Yeah. The NBA owned uh, the, the Hornets, New Orleans yeah. at the time. And I understand. And they nixed the trade. Yeah, and I understand why. But so it just, with the way everything kind of played out, it just seemed like conspiracies would say meddling. By the NBA to give them that number one, that number to one give the number pick. one pick down in New Orleans. To New Orleans, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but but on a more sensible note, like what was the atmosphere like when they got their number one overall pick, knowing Anthony Davis was the consensus number I one? I bet he was excited. They figured, oh, this is the rejuvenation. This is the great move. This is a stepping stone. But they didn't take advantage of it. Mm. You know, they didn't take advantage of it when they had um, David West and Chris Paul, yeah, Tyson Chandler. Apasia, they needed a piece or two. But I've always said it to this day, I didn't think the organization wanted to endure the pain required to build a legit contender mm. because none of those guys stuck around. Mm -hmm. you know. And Chris Paul gets a bad rap for leaving New Orleans, but he gave them enough time, just like yeah. Anthony Davis gave them enough just time. And David just West did. and Tyson Chandler were waiting and waiting. What are we going to do here? Um, so that's the reason behind that. But they were excited when they got Anthony Davis. They thought it might be the jump start to get it all going. So, and then now they're dealing with yeah. You know, and yeah, then they got so. Zion. So now they're rejuvenated again. They're yeah. through the roof right now in anticipation. Must be nice to have that kind of. Love. Yeah, we we we're, yeah. we're due for rejuvenation here. <laughs> hey, listen, Charlotte. Charlotte's got to get their credibility back. Yeah, I yeah. mean it is yeah. what it is. You Most can't definitely. you can't candy coat it. They got to get their credibility back. Get some talent. And I've always thought that ownership has an obligation to put a quality product on a field and on a court. Doesn't even have to be familiar faces. It's got to be a quality product. But, and they got a ways to go. But would you also agree that it helps to have a little bit of luck, too? Doesn't it? Oh, help yeah, luck is bit? everything. Yeah. When are we going to talk about my movie that's coming out? I mean, <laughs> tell us, man. Uh, no, it's, no, you're right. There's got to be there's got to be luck. Luck plays a role in absolutely everything. Y'all are lucky I showed up for this. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, man. The donuts saying. enticed them. The donuts just, enticed I'm them. I'm just saying. No, so, I got one more. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So I got Robert. a question for you. So, you know, they created a segment for me when I was doing TV news down there called I'm Just Saying. You're just saying. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean, are you alluding to us having employing a new segment on this show? I think now? you should. I'm like Jerry V. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Did, I'm just people saying. would come up to you in the street. They'd walk by. You go. I'm just saying. This. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, let's get the t-shirts yeah. printed. Put Jerry V's face on it. So, so for your daily show on ESPN, yeah. How do you prepare daily for the show? Um, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. When guys get into the business, they have to understand it's a lifestyle. It's a constant preparation. Mm -hmm. I travel with a journal. I got notebooks in my bag. I have notebooks everywhere. Um, I go to a coffee shop. I go any place. If I get an idea, I write it down. It's a constant state of being aware of what's going on. You're constantly formulating uh, opinions in your mind for everything mm -hmm. you see. It, it, it becomes ingrained in you. So it's become instinctive to me now. Okay. I love show prep. Okay. I get excited when I'm putting a segment together. I don't script the whole show. I just put bullet points yeah. on a topic gotcha. to remind me. But it's my day is so segmented. 
I get up in the morning, I have my routine with the coffee, walk the dog. Uh, I start watching three or four different talking head television shows. Mm -hmm. I sample four or five different radio talk shows around the country, depending what the topic is. Like when the Le'Veon Bell thing was happening, I'd listen to Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio 20 mm -hmm. minutes, and I listen to New York to hear what different cities are doing. Then I look at the local, and then I start to format the show. Gotcha. Then you get a workout, then you come back, you finish it. And then you go on. But it's like, it's highly organized, but free flowing, mm -hmm. because it's become a habit. Okay. I had ideas. Hey, if I'm on a dinner date, I get an idea. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I pull yeah. Pull out yeah. a notebook, What's I write sweetie? it down. No, yeah, yeah, they yeah, do, yeah. and you know, and I'll even say that's a great idea you just gave me, and put it down because we all borrow, we all drink from wells, we yeah. didn't dig. So yeah, so it's a constant. You don't realize it, but it's twenty four seven because so I'm always a, thinking of something. Like like an example, like you know, last night when you know your movie was being made, yeah. Andrew Luck's story broke. So how how did that go? You know, he's it's like, hey, sweetie. Hold on for a second. Andrew Luck retired. Why are you saying, sweetie? How do you know? Maybe I'm not serious with her. Maybe she just No way. How about this one? Boo. It's semantics, man. Maybe she's just auditioned. Wow. But I did. Auditioning for the leading lady. I got to post a cut list today. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. But I did say, I did, you know, the band said, what? Andrew Luck just retired. <laughs> Who? It's Andrew Luck, you know, etc. But yeah, that just came. But you see, yeah, good point. Right, right, just, right. Yeah. Because I get alerts on my phone, mm -hmm. but my phone wasn't on my table. I always put the phone down on the floor mm. away, but I always got my notebook with me. Right. And 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 I see the the, the, the phone flashing. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm going, would you mind if I take this? Because it must be an important Yeah, yeah, exactly. Alert. No, exactly. then I look and I go. Andrew Luck, <laughs> stop kissing me. Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> and immediately I'm formulating why did he retire? And then I, I, I put it back and I go, I got to get to this later. Now, speaking on that. What were we uh, saying? You've been, you've been on record as explaining your radio style as issues oriented. So can you expound on that a little bit more for those that are listening? Um, exactly what does that mean? I think we all kind of have an idea, but when it comes to the issues that you do discuss, how do you go about deciding which issues to discuss on your show? Um, I had great mentors, uh, great teachers. I'd observe great talent through the years. Every story has layers. You know, you take a story, like let's just say Andrew Luck, mm -hmm. he retired. Why? How does it impact the Colts? What kind of criticism is he getting? Um, how do I counter that? And then what can I attach to that? So I immediately attached last night, he solved the riddle. Mm. Now I got to explain what's my riddle. And the reason I have riddle is because I could refer to several of my journals where I'll put down ideas, words, phrases, concepts that I could use on a show to attach to a story. And I attach solve the riddle with, uh, when I taught psychology, solve the riddle of, we all want to solve the riddle of life. Right. Being able to do what we want, when and where. I immediately associated with that story and connected it to the luck thing. So now I got my layers. Now what's the Colts next move? How does that impact the odds in Vegas with the Super Bowl? You know, how good will their backup be? How does this impact, boom, boom, boom. So now you got, ding, 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 you got different layers to it. And, okay. and, and, um, and you gotta be issues, race issues, uh, labor issues, 
entertainment issues, all the legal issues, and then the game itself, and then the topics. And then I'm told that, you know, I'm fearless on the air, I'm highly opinionated, very sarcastic. I you think entertaining. Well here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I like giggles and grins too. You know, I like to share the giggles and grins with the story. Um, and I've learned through the years, and I think I've perfected it, that I do not care if someone disagrees with me. Mm. My opinion to, yeah. doesn't mean it's the best one. Yeah. yeah. But I can validate why I feel that way. As long as someone can validate how they feel about something, it's okay. But if you can't, you have no cred with me. Gotcha. So... Our our producer is telling us to wrap it up, so yeah. I, I have to I have to close with this. I got one the, more question with, too, this, with this question. Yeah, um, I don't. Maybe we all agree. Maybe we all don't agree. But you know, with today's climate in in the sports world and sports journalism, so to speak, right. we all feel like. Well, maybe we all feel like it's a lot of clickbait material. It's a lot of headlines. It's a it's a lot of attention grabbing more than it is substance especially in the social media world, uh, throughout mm. your career, how have you adjusted to the climate that may be different to what it was when you first started? Uh, I, I could see through a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I know that that's part of the game that's being played. And I know that there's some young people in a career trying to earn their cred and credibility with sensationalism. And all, all I look for is if you're a unique personality and you're being yourself. Because one day I'd love to run a radio station and mm -hmm. train and seek out talent. Um, you just have to... I'm available, by the way. You have to. <laughs> One of my mantras, and I'm a firm believer in mantras, he who adapts wins. Mm. You have to adapt to the changing terrain and be aware of the changing terrain, how it's evolving, and you have to reinvent yourself to a degree and also maintain who you really are. You can see through a lot of the clickbait. Mm. Yeah. Like, you'll see the headline, then read the story. story has nothing to do with the headline. Right. Yep, right. You know? Right. You just gotta see through it. You get the feel for it. You develop right. the And the same. final question. Sure. So what do you do to kind of get away from everything, like to to, to center yourself, relax? What what is something Jerry V does? I hang out with the guys from under construction. <laughs> <laughs> I love movies, I love books, I love writing. Uh uh Man, I'm a big music fan. Music and writing and reading, and I love hunting and find, not hunting animals. I love hunting down restaurants. Got you. <laughs> and see who's credible and who's jiving me as far as how good your food is. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, that's, that's like funny. a hobby that I have. So I love lists. I'm always making lists. I rank my restaurants okay. for that week. I'm ranking everything. So yeah. we love lists around here. Give me three of your favorite artists. Ooh, what genre? Uh, Any, anything, anything, anything. Well, I was listening the past four days uh, on satellite radio uh, to Soul Town. Okay. Mm. Because um, a friend of mine, producer, one day did a mix for me of "Distant Lover" with Marvin Gaye. Right but turned it into a thirty-five minute version. Right. For those, for those special occasions. <laughs> Three favorite artists as of this morning, because I was listening in the car coming in, would be uh, uh, Marvin Gaye, Temptations, Al Green, Delphonics, Stylistics, right now. some of the work of Michael Jackson. All right. uh, God, there's so many. Jeremy has so much He's soul. School. He's I don't even know if I were... 
I don't even know if our fan base would be able to relate to any of those answers right <laughs> Who there. the hell can? But the thing is, I know the words to all of those songs. Uh-huh. Now, now the genre coming in, you know, I mean, I like I like certain things. I like Eminem. I love uh, uh, I like I love Bocelli, mm. Italian opera, which I used to play in my hotel room when I'd get ready for a game. I love all genres. But I love I love rock, but I love rhythm and blues. Okay. Okay. There's something about it. Um, growing up, and my brothers and sisters, my older brothers and sisters, and I love uh, I love doo-wop music from back in the day. Mm. You know, JV, we can hang out, man. You know, of course we can. Yeah, we can hang out, man. <laughs> I, I can dig that. Of course we can. But man, uh, I just want to say, uh, Mr. Valancourt, thank you so much for man blessing us yeah, with the presence it, today, man. It. This thank was so an awesome, awesome Gentlemen, experience. Awesome thanks show. for having me. Thanks yes, a lot of fun. Before we let him go, yeah, plug your information in so everybody can follow you. Yes, sir. Uh, follow me on Twitter at GV Talk. Hit me on a mailbag, JerryV at ESPN seven thirty dot com. Um, what else you want to know? Go Anything. see Get Bingles, short feature film I was in. I play Mickey. It's a comedy gangster, but short feature. It's on YouTube, I think, now. Cool. Okay. Nice. Um, I'll be appearing at the Blue Velvet Lounge in Helena, Montana tomorrow. Uh, it's right. You walk through the kitchen. It's that little room in the back. The blue room. It's, it's called a shaky, shaky room. <laughs> Pure comedian. Just boy. shake it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching, everybody. We enjoyed you, guys. V, and we love y'all. We'll see y'all We're next out. time. All Thank right. you. Peace. <laughs> That's funny.